Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship Church. I'm glad you're here for this next installment in our series entitled, Jesus, Who Is He? The message for today is entitled this, that Jesus is the object of our devotion. There's an outline entitled with that title at the top of it inside your bulletin today. If you take that out, um, you'll be able to follow along. There's a number of scripture references that I'll be mentioning as we go along, as well as some fill-in-the-blank items. There's some ushers coming up and down the aisles. So we'll be glad to hand you a pen if you just raise your hand, and that way you can take some notes as well. Uh, this is important, and the scriptures that you'll see on there, many of them come from the Gospel of Luke. We've been using the uh, Gospel of Luke uh, to answer that question, who is Jesus, for the last number of weeks, and we still have a few more weeks to go. Because Luke spends a lot of wonderful time, in fact, we are greatly in debt to him, that he took the time to write an orderly account of the life of Jesus so we could know who he is. And this series is designed to help you and me answer that question profoundly. And if you want to pick up some CDs from the previous weeks or get online and look up some of the other lessons, uh, hopefully if somebody ever asks you, well, who do you think Jesus is, you'll be able to give them some very good answers. Today we want to focus on the fact, though, that Jesus is the object of our devotion. I'd like to have a word of prayer with you, and then we'll jump right in. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I want to thank you for Luke recording the life and times of Jesus, what he said and what he did, and writing an orderly account so we could know who Jesus is and why it's important to be devoted to him. I pray, Lord, that today you'll speak, you'll move me out of the way, and teach us some things about being devoted to Christ. In the name of Christ, I pray, amen. There's a little story that's found only in Luke's gospel It comes from the 10th chapter of Luke, verses 38 through 42, when Jesus stopped at the home of two women by the the names of Mary and Martha. Listen to this account. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Now her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. So she came to Jesus and said, Lord, let me get the right wine in that, okay? Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. I mean, I have four sisters and one brother, and we went through this all the time at my house. Mom, how come they don't have to do this? How come I have to dry the dishes? How come I, can anybody else relate to this? Okay, you got sisters here, all right? So Lord, tell her to get up and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details, There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, right from the get-go here, I want to tell you that this story is not an argument for not fixing dinner, okay? So, anybody said, see, it's a place in the Bible. Jesus said you shouldn't fix dinner. Okay, that's not what it means, all right? The idea behind this story is not an argument against doing chores at all, but rather priority. We have to eat, and we have to fix meals, but my goodness, When the God of heaven is standing in your living room, it's a mistake to be preparing potato salad in the kitchen. You need to be out there saying, how many times did did Jesus grace people's homes? This is a rare occurrence. And the God of all heaven was standing in Mary and Martha's living room, and Martha didn't have time for him. Now, I say all that today because... What you're going to discover as we go through this, this isn't a challenge just for Martha. And we could go, wow, what a foolish woman. How come she didn't recognize the opportunity? The truth is, the Bible tells us that when we ask Jesus to come into our heart, he'll really come in. And his Holy Spirit will fill us and indwell us. And if we spend time in his word every day, we can meet with him every day. The Holy Spirit will energize the words in the Bible so we can understand them and know them. And they will burn in our hearts. And you and I can be just like Martha 
and be way too busy to spend time with God. The God of heaven has plenty of time for you and me each day, but sadly, we rush on out the door and never have time for him. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about now? I can. So this isn't just a story about a woman who made a foolish decision one day. This is a story about you and me. We need to understand it. Now I want to explore three, three dimensions of this story very quickly for you. First of all, spending time with Jesus is the most important thing we can do. And that's a big lesson from this story. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught, and Jesus said that she was wise for doing this. He said, there's only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary's discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Spending time with Jesus is the most important thing we can do. It's not the only thing that he wants us to do. He knows we have a job. He's created us with gifts and abilities to do those jobs. But the question is, are we making time for Jesus or not? And if we say, well, Lord, I love you and I want your direction for my life, well, when does he have time to give you that direction? Lord, I want peace and joy in my life. Well, when are you going to spend the time listening to his word and asking him to show you how to find that joy and peace? When will the time come? And so you and I can learn from this story a couple of things. And first of all, we need to learn this, that Jesus is more worthy of our time and devotion than anyone else. Jesus is more worthy of our time and devotion than anyone else. I mean, that's why Jesus was so incredulous when Martha said, hey, tell my sister to come help me. It's like, Martha, I'm the God of heaven. I'm standing right here. We can eat sandwiches. She's chosen what's most important. She's listening to me. Jesus was headed toward Jerusalem where he would be crucified. His ministry was coming to an end. These words were precious. And the same thing applies to you and me where if we look at our calendar, who exactly do we have to meet with this week that's more important than our time with Jesus? I mean, say you had a schedule with a senator or with the president, or with some famous athlete, or some famous actor or actress. It would really be a big deal. I mean, we make a big deal of it when we meet somebody in an airport. A few years ago, I met Reggie Jackson, a famous hitter for the Yankees years ago. Some of you remember him. When the earth was cooling, he played for the Yankees. Okay, a long time ago. But I was flying through Los Angeles, and there was Reggie Jackson standing there by a ticket counter. I walk over, I go, are you Reggie Jackson? He goes, yes. I mean, nobody was talking to him. I was going to go, this is Reggie Jackson. Okay, this is a big deal. And I had a delightful conversation with him. And it was really fun to meet him. And when I got home, everybody said, did you get his autograph? And I went, no, I just forgot all about it. He was such a nice guy. I just enjoyed talking with him. I go, oh, man, you got to spend time with him. And some of you have stories like this. You met somebody famous. You got to talk to him. And you went, wow, that was great. And it was really intriguing and it was fun. But was it more important than meeting with Jesus? Because we'll make a big deal out of that. When's the last time you and I made a big deal out of meeting with Jesus? If you listen to how Paul describes Jesus, I think we should make a bigger, bigger deal out of our time with him than with anybody else. Through Jesus, this is from Colossians 1.16, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see. He also made the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. Now, he's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he's first in everything. 
For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And so Paul would say, hey, Jesus is more worthy of our time and devotion than anyone else. I mean, there might be famous athletes this summer after the Olympic Games, there would be people who will win an Olympic medal, and you and I would love to meet somebody who wins a gold medal and go and see it and touch it. That would be a great honor. Well, meeting Jesus is better. Jesus is the one who made the whole world. He's the one who holds the whole universe together. He's the one who died on the cross for your sins and reconciled us with God. He's the one who made it possible for us to be baptized and have our sins washed away so we can, with the promise and assurance of Christ himself, that we will live forever with him in heaven one day. And you and I need to embrace that. And we need to say, why on earth would I be too busy to meet with Jesus? I'd make time for somebody else. Why won't I make time for him? So the God of heaven is willing to meet me each day, and I'm in the kitchen making potato salad? I'm on my way to work, thinking about the whole day with the radio blaring? I've got time to surf the internet for an hour and a half, and I don't have 10 minutes to spend time in prayer with God? Jesus is more worthy of our time and devotion than anybody else. I'd love to see an argument for somebody who's better than what we just described here. By the way, when you talk about Jesus being worthy, that's where the word worship comes from. Worthship is the old English. It was two words. That if you worship somebody, you're giving them worthship. You are showing their worth. Contraction is worship. Jesus is worthy. He's the one who made us, created the whole universe, holds it all together, reconciled us with God, died on the cross for our sins, rose again, it's coming back soon. He's worthy of our time. He's more worthy than anybody else. And that's why Jesus said this is what's most important. Here's the second thing. Time spent with Jesus will transform us. It'll transform us. You might get an autograph from somebody famous, but it probably won't transform you. In fact, like some of you, I've had stories and I've met some famous people. They didn't turn out to even be very nice. You walk away going, well, that was a disappointment. Time with Jesus will never be a disappointment. It'll transform us. Three reasons why because Jesus, there are many more, but let me give you three. Jesus gives us rest. Jesus himself said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Boy, we carry extra burdens. We have all kinds of stress in our lives. And Jesus said, if you come to me, I'll give you rest. Some of you have discovered this. You've spent time with the Lord a lot. And you've gone, I can't wait for my time with the Lord. In fact, the more hectic my schedule gets, the busier it gets, the more I know I need time with God just so I can bear up under the strain because he gives me rest for my soul. My soul. So Jesus gives us rest. He promises that. Jesus also gives us peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus told his disciples, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. And the world can give you lots of things. The world can give you power. The world can give you possessions. The world can give you prestige. I'm thinking of lots of P words, opposite peace here, okay? The world can give you all those things, but it can't give you peace. Because here's the funny thing. When you get lots of power, you get lots of position. Boy, I'm coming up with a bunch of them here. This is good. You get all these things going on in your life, and the last thing you get is peace. In fact, just think about it when you get multiplied possessions. Now you have stuff. Now you have to clean it. You have to store it. You have to insure it. And then when you move, you have to box it up and store it someplace else. 
And then you can find a climate-controlled place to store it and insure it and keep it until the next time you move. And after a while, you go, now who's owning who here? Possessions don't bring you peace. Power doesn't bring you peace. Position doesn't. It just brings more and more responsibility. But you know what happens when you meet with Jesus? You find peace. He's the Prince of Peace. So why would I meet with Jesus? Well, first of all, who's more worthy of my time? Secondly, he's the one who's going to give me rest. He's the one who's going to give me peace. And thirdly, he'll give me perspective. Time with Jesus, meditating on his word, gives us perspective. Romans 12, 2, Paul says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, and then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know, if you spend time in God's word and spend time reading and meditating on God's word, and you lay your requests at the foot of Jesus' feet, and just spend some time listening to him each day, it's amazing how your perspective can change. There'll be just as many things on your schedule as there were before you started meeting with the Lord. But it's funny, now all of a sudden they don't seem nearly as life-threatening. All of a sudden now I find the strength I can handle it. I find joy and peace. It's going to be okay. I can make it through this day. Again, does anybody here know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you'll see hands going up all over the place. If you haven't spent this, Christians have called personal time with the Lord. They've had a name for it. They've called it Devotions personal devotion time. Sitting at Jesus' feet. It's a picture of Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, devoted to him. Jesus comes first. There's no one more important. If you meet with him, you'll find rest, you'll find peace, and you'll gain perspective on life. He's lived forever. He holds the whole universe together. He has a better idea of what's good for you than you do. And that I do. I can give you my opinion, but my opinion isn't worth near as much as his. And so let's spend some time with him. He needs to be the object of our devotion. Now, a second observation from this story that I don't want us to miss is this, is that some of us just don't have time for Jesus because we're just too busy. And we haven't valued time with Jesus enough. We don't think about how important he is and what we can get from him. That's the first point there. But the second point is, some of the reasons that we don't have it. Some of us even would say, well, no, I value Jesus. I get what you're saying, John, but you just don't know how hectic my schedule is. I'm just so busy. Luke 10, again, back to the story, just about Martha. Martha was distracted, and if you could circle the word distracted there by the big dinner she was preparing. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. Details. Worried. Man, if you're like me, that is so easy to do. I can just wake up in the morning and all the things of the day come rushing at me like wild animals. Ah! And so what I do is instead of finding peace and joy, man, I start answering emails. Or I have to get on the phone. Or I fly out the door. Got to get something done. No joy, no peace, no perspective. You know, man, I wish I would have started out differently. But we're just distracted by all these things. And the Lord knows that. And that's why this story was recorded by Luke. It's just this little story. But it applies to all of us. And this week, wouldn't it be a great opportunity for you and me to spend some time with the Lord himself? And let me just say a word here too. Sometimes it feels weird when you start doing that. You say, John, I've never done that. I mean, we have reading plans for you available when you leave today. And some of you could say, just, I've tried that, John. It just feels weird. Well, a lot of things feel weird the first time you do them. 
I remember the first time my mom put a necktie on me, I thought she was hanging me. Okay, I didn't feel right. It's a dog collar. A lot of things don't feel right the first time you do them. Try them anyway. It's important for us to start. In Luke 14, another place in Luke's gospel, Jesus talks about people who are too busy for him. People in his day, the religious leaders who'd heard about a Messiah coming, but didn't have time for Jesus when he showed up. In fact, one day Jesus was talking about how God had prepared his kingdom for the poor and the sick and the needy, and he would welcome everyone. And someone shouted out, boy, it'd be a wonderful thing to be at the wedding feast in heaven one day. It'd be great to be at that banquet. And Jesus said, well, let me tell you about that banquet. And here's what he said. This is from Luke 14. He said, let me tell you a story. There was once a man who prepared a great feast and sent out a great many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell all the guests, come, the banquet is ready. Now, you need to understand, in those days you sent out an invitation, but then you also sent out a servant the day of. If you were of means enough to do this, you had enough servants, you'd send out a servant the day of because there was no refrigeration. You butchered the animals that day and cooked them that day. You ground the flour and made the bread from scratch. I mean, there was no hostess or wonder bread. Okay, no Sister Schubert. There wasn't anything like that. You had to do it yourself. And so when everything was getting cooked and the bread was hot and the meat was prepared a couple hours before, as that was all going on, the servants got, okay, everything's going to be ready. You've got to come now. And it was the height of rudeness to, to receive an invitation and say, yeah, I'll be a part of it, but then come up with an excuse because, hey, I got something more important that came up. But that's what happened in the story. The guests all began making excuses. One said, well, I just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. And another said, well, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. And that's, I'm sorry, I don't want to comment on that. Anyway, um, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. And his master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. And so his master said, well, then go out in the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come in so my house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. The bread was hot. The meat was cooked. The banquet was prepared. And it's not going to go to waste. And if the people I invited won't come, then I'll go and invite some other people who will come. And there were people in Jesus' day when he was standing right in front of him, and they had read the Old Testament, they'd received the first invitation, they knew all about the Messiah, and when he was standing right in front of them, they wouldn't spend time with him, and they said they didn't have time, and they didn't believe in him. What about you and me? Do we have time? I mean, it's one thing to say, well, I've committed to Christ, say, wow, I just allowed some things to crowd in, but there are some of us here, we may never have spent time with Christ. And understand this, Jesus has been giving you an invitation, and here's another invitation for you right now. If you have never surrendered your heart to Christ, today would be a great day. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for your sins, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. And he came into this world to rescue you, and he wants a relationship with you. He's dying to meet with you. Come to him. He'll give you rest for your souls. He'll give you forgiveness of your sins. Come to him today. Don't ignore this invitation. I will tell you, the hardest thing to hear as a pastor is when people come in and say, I'm going to get serious about my relationship with God, you know, when I graduate from college. When I have kids. Well, when my kids grown and they graduate. When I retire, then I'll get serious. And then one day life is over and there's no more invitation. 
That doesn't need to be you and me. We don't need to be too busy or distracted to meet with God as believers. And if we're not a believer and we've never come to him, that's a dangerous game to play because one day the invitation will be withdrawn because life is over. And one final observation. Jesus wants each of us to be devoted to him and not to compare ourselves with others. You heard just a few minutes ago at the baptism um, ceremony, part of the service here, when we ask each person who's baptized, what is your name? You profess your own faith in Jesus Christ. Not your parents' faith, not anybody else's faith. This is yours. Again, Martha. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. And she said, Martha, Martha. Mary's chosen what's most important. Jesus didn't want Martha comparing herself to Mary. He doesn't want us comparing ourselves to other people either. He wants us to come on our own. After Jesus had risen from the dead, he explained to Peter how Peter would die. He explained that Peter himself would be crucified. Peter denied him three times. Jesus restored him three times and told him one day, Peter, people are going to stretch you out on a cross. And while Jesus was explaining that to Peter, they were walking along the seaside and uh, Peter turned around behind him. And this is from John 21. Turning his head, Peter noticed the disciple Jesus loved following right behind. When Peter noticed him, he asked Jesus, Master, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus said, if I want him to live until I come again, what's that to you? You follow me. You. God's calling you. Have you spent time with God? You can make a lot of excuses. Well, I know I haven't spent enough time, but I spend more than my brother. I spend more than that other guy. He's a bigger hypocrite than I am. That's your selling point. Hey, if you and I are going to be serious about a relationship with the Lord, let's get serious today. This isn't about worrying about somebody else. This is about you and me. Well, Lord, go tell him. Go tell her. Now, let's talk about you. So we're going to do, to wrap up the service, we're going to give you a few minutes to spend some time with God. I'm finishing early. Some of you will take that as a sign of the apocalypse. I know that uh, this is the end of the world. Hey, what the world? He's done early. Actually, we planned that. So you would have 10 or 15 minutes here where you could spend some time with God. Some of you rushed in here. You were white knuckling it on two wheels getting in the parking lot. You were, just hanging on. We made it here. Grab the kids. We're going to be joyful in church today. Don't say anything. If you've had a stressed out week or you're worried about something, we're going to give you time. A couple of us will be up here to pray up in front with you. We're going to spend some time reflecting on the Lord. And so I'm going to have a brief word of prayer. We have a video we want you to watch. And then the worship team is going to come up and lead us in some singing. But we want some time of peace and worship. You want to just sit here like you're sitting at Jesus' feet and reflect on some of the passages I've given you today? That's great. You want to stand and sing and raise your hands, Lord? That's great. If you want to just pray about something that's really burdened or you want to come pray with us, that's great. But use the time. Don't leave. But I got jet skis to try out. I got lunch to prepare. This is more important. Would you pray with me, please? I pray, Lord, that you would remind us of what's most important, that you are, and we would let nothing take your place. In the name of Christ, I pray these things. Amen.